We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Before we get underway, let's get a word from our sponsors, Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is a fantasy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they're stock. Ever heard someone say, I had stock in Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson since day one? You knew that would happen? Well, now it's a reality. Create a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit predictionstrike.com to create an account. Then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would with real stock. Each game is like an earnings report. If the player beats his projection, his stock moves up. And it's just that simple. You can trade your shares of players at any time as long as that player isn't currently in a game. Get started today by visiting predictionstrike.com and sign up for a code ROTOWIRE to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. Again, let's go, go to predictionstrike.com and use code ROTOWIRE to get an additional $10 on your first deposit of $20 or more. 
All right. So this is the uh, – I was going to say December 29th. Wow, we fast forward. This is the September 29th edition, Tuesday of the RotoWire NFL Podcast, week three in the books. I'm Joe Bartle. Alongside me, as always, every Tuesday, Jake Latarski. We're going to walk through the free agent pickups for this week. Probably not as big of a deal as opposed to last week, but mm-hmm. we probably need to start with the breaking news of the NFL circle right now is COVID-19. And we knew yep. it was going to happen at some point, right? Sooner was, or later, we're going to have ourselves an outbreak here. And, yep, of course, this lands, this lands on our show because it happened between Jeff and Chris last night. This Just this morning, we found it was like eight Titans players tested positive. Uh, wait, eight players of the organization. Yeah, there's, organizational members. Yeah, there's yeah, coaches as well. Yeah, coaches were mixed in there. So, yeah, right now the Titans, uh, I mean, we'll tell you what we know here at uh, at 2.22 Eastern time here. It could very well change by the time that uh, this recording has concluded. But as of right now, the games are still scheduled, but the Titans... Uh, they can't even access their practice facility until Saturday. So that makes for some interesting situations. What do you do with your fringe Titans players, for example? Um, you know, getting a replacement for a guy like Derrick Henry if you have to. What's going on with the point spread? I mean, it opened at minus three Tennessee. Some sports books, you know, including Westgate, have just taken it off. While others have seen that move to minus one and a half, minus two if that game goes on, assuming Tennessee will be at a disadvantage not really being able to practice all week. Yeah, and I just have to imagine this game is not going to get played altogether. But we don't know. Uh, we're we're going to find out. This is the NFL's first test. I, I saw Mario talk about it on Twitter just a little bit earlier today. I don't know if you saw it last night. They had this, like, or it was Sunday, had this floofy little ad about how they've done so great in COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Well, that appears to be a little bit misplaced. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, they were killing it the first couple weeks. I mean, it's just NFL rosters are too huge right. to do a true bubble. And, you know, they have to, you know, they don't have the luxury that NBA or NHL had with only really needing half the teams. Um, it, it's a tough situation. You figured something like this was going to happen. And that's why real early in the offseason, we kind of advised doing that show give your league mates or or your league this year extra COVID-19 waiver spots and so far up to this point in leagues I've only had controversy with people putting like Le'Veon Bell or Christian McCaffrey on the waiver spots or on the IR spots even though they have they don't have COVID and that's what they were designated for so now we actually get to use those waiver spots potentially Um, but it's going to be tricky because we're only going to be able to give somebody you know, that designation that allows them to be put on the IR if someone actually comes out and confirms a positive test. If they just say, okay, the game's postponed and there's no actual full reports of positive tests, you probably won't get to use, depending on your league hosting right. site, you might not get to throw a Derrick Henry or a Ryan Tannehill or a Corey Davis or or even an A.J. Brown who's already got that injury tag. You know, it's going to vary by site. So this is going to make an interesting dilemma for a lot of fantasy owners that are uh, rostering guys from the Titans, guys from the Steelers. Yeah, and I have Henry uh, on my stake league team. So it's going to be real touch and go, and I'm a little bit worried about it as somebody that's uh, fighting desperately to stay in the contention. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out how this all plays out Um, more than likely. Well, I don't even want to say more than likely. We really don't know. But hypothetically, if the Titans game were to not get played, there's a pretty easy solution from the NFL's perspective onto Mm -hmm. rescheduling this game. The Titans game uh, against the Steelers can be moved to Week 7, and then the Steelers and Ravens game, uh, which they both have buys for in Week Seven. Well, they both have buys in, in week, week eight. Week, it it, it yep. can be moved to Week Eight because mm-hmm. they have yeah. So that's that's the way around it from the Titans' perspective. I'm we don't know we we don't yeah. know how this is going to go. We don't know how many people well, are like whatever is going to happen. We'll but, talk. We'll get into this a little later. But the Vikings situation is a lot more murky, right? Because right. the t- Titans played the Vikings last week. You know, beat him, beat him on a late field goal, and uh, there's not really an easy path to rescheduling that Vikings Texans game. Um, again, not 
you know, may, seemingly not as much in danger as, as the other one. But again, we're going to find out all this information in the coming days. So definitely stay tuned to Rotowire and uh, and get your latest updates. Yeah, I was going to say, keep keep following the Rotowire NFL podcast as well. I'm sure Wednesday mm-hmm. and Thursday will be plenty of conversation exactly. about it because we just don't know. Yeah, and the at Rotowire NFL Twitter account basically just auto tweets all our player news update headlines. So it's a real good reference just to have. Um, you know, if you want to put alerts on for that, you can do that on Twitter. There's a lot of ways to stay up to date, of course. And uh, if you're using the My Leagues feature. On, on Rotowire, uh, you know your leagues are imported. Your your rosters stay up to date. Any of those players that get written that will be affected by this, you know, you can get notifications for that too. So there's a lot of ways to stay up to date on the Rotowire website. Want to talk a little bit of good news? I guess if you're a Chiefs fan, this Monday Night Football game. Yeah, let's let's hit some Monday Night Football. All right, Mahomes, thirty fantasy points in the first half, finished with what five passing touchdowns? Although four passing and a rushing. Yeah, Guy five total touchdowns. Yeah, and and what three of them went to guys that you were certainly not playing, probably mm-hmm. not even in the best ball format. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy that I didn't cut Miko Hardman anywhere yet. You yes, know, I mean that's I, true. I always figured that you know either Sammy Watkins is going to get hurt or the Chiefs will start using Miko Hardman correctly. Uh, and, and again, the targets he wasn't necessarily the leader by any means. He had six targets, which was the same as as Tyreek Hill had a similar stat line there. Travis Kelsey got seven. Sammy Watkins got eight of them. So this was just a, a day where. One of the defenses that I thought was tops in the league mm-hmm. ran into a powerhouse. And how can you really stop this Kansas City offense? Because they put the graphics up on the screen how good Patrick Mahomes is doing against the Blitz. So what are you going to do? Not blitz him and let him stand back there for as long as he wants until he has time? Like, it Not pretty with much, that speed. Not with the speed exactly. of the receivers. I mean, it, the, the telecast hinted this, and you have to agree. You know, you have to either hope they implode or get or get penalties or, or you just play time of possession game. Because right now that's looking like the only way that the Chiefs can be beaten. Yeah, or turnovers, right? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we did see that. That's how the Ravens maybe have made a play in the second half. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson finishes with his career low in passing yards. Uh, anytime you are home and you have to finish the game kneeling and you are not winning, that's a tough yes. That's a tough way yeah. to go about it. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting. I mean, everyone was excited for this matchup. I actually stayed home from Rotowire Basketball to go ahead and watch Chiefs-Ravens because it's Chiefs-Ravens. It's Mahomes. I Lamar. stayed home from Rotowire Basketball. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call it <laughs> you know, for t- to, to, so I could watch the Chiefs-Ravens. Yeah, that's, that's why I that's why you did. Yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. you and I both did that. Uh, one of us intentionally did, maybe not the other one. Um, and, and it really didn't live up to the expectation, at least if you're a Ravens fan, of course, the Chiefs got mm-hmm. all the all the gravy from Mahomes here, but this is going to. I'm not worried about Lamar. I'm not sure how you feel. I, mm-hmm. I didn't think Lamar was going to struggle this bad, and everyone's yeah. now right to right to go ahead and write him off. When two mm-hmm. years ago they're already dancing on his grave and yeah. MVP last year. I don't know. Yeah, to me, Lamar's stock hasn't fallen. I, I would call him the number three fantasy quarterback. Mahomes number one, Russell Wilson number two, probably Lamar number three. I'm more worried about the Ravens' identity as a whole because clearly this is a team. I get a similar feeling uh, to watching my Wisconsin Badgers in college where they can run the ball and they play very well with the lead and they run the ball in a variety of ways, can run out the clock. A lot of guys are going to get rushing yards. Their quarterback can do stuff when the run is setting it up. But if you go behind two scores... All of that goes out the window, and 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 Lamar expected to you know produce these fast, flashy points like Mahomes. Maybe that's not in his skill set. So I, I guess we'll see in the coming weeks. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board because this is a team they will see in the playoffs if they intend to accomplish their goals. Um, but for your fantasy assets. I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, I still even though Dobbins only got one carry, that's a little bit concerning. But again, game flow dictated that for sure. Um, this isn't going to be the case in most games. Ninety percent of these games, the Ravens aren't going to fall behind two scores. They can run their bread and butter and do their thing. So I'm not necessarily downgrading a lot of these players. Uh, Mark Andrews did have a bad game. 
and he got hurt halfway through. I think mm-hmm. he came back at some point. Yeah, as he well. came up kind of limp on one of the, on that one touchdown pass that he dropped. Marquise Brown really not doing a yeah. whole lot, but you know you got to have expectations in check when your quarterback's only throwing for uh, ninety-seven yards, three point five yards <laughs> right. per attempt is uh, pretty brutal there. So uh, we'll give them pass this week um, just because of the game flow, you know, but. This offense just isn't built to come from behind, so they have to really execute their game plan to a T if they're going to have success moving forward. If you're a subscriber to the site, or even week one when it was available for free, I'm sure everyone's aware of Jerry Donabedian's uh, hidden stat line articles that have been out. I'll be very curious to see the data that comes out from this because you talked about Michael Hardman. It wasn't even so much that Sammy Watkins or Hill getting hurt, but can he actually uh, take over Demarcus Robinson's shares? And I, I wasn't paying attention like – like completely to to see if that was occurring. But if Harbin's your number three receiver and guaranteed and getting those Demarcus Robinson snaps and opportunities, that's the the Chiefs' best offense. And I think mm-hmm. uh, if if that happens, Harbin can still have some versatility and viability in a fantasy format. And to see Dobbins be the guy that was basically the pass catcher of that running back group when they were trailing also has to be positive. He got all four of his targets. I don't know what his snap share was relative to Gus Edwards yep. and Mark Ingram, but that stuff, I mean, like that's important information. Again, you can go ahead and see that in the hidden stat line articles mm-hmm. uh, that Jerry puts out both for running backs and wide receivers. Yeah. So. I don't have snap share data quite yet on the site, but imagine that's coming basically. We're just saving now. it for Jerry's article. That's We're what just it is. saving it for Jerry's article. <laughs> yeah, he's got to update it for the running backs too. We'll reference that a lot when we get to the running back portion, portion of the show here. All right, so let's move on to the actual free agent pickups portion of the show. Again, we try to uh, target this for under 50% rostered in Yahoo formats, ESPN, whatever else, but we're, we're focusing on Yahoo formats under 15% rostered. Um, we'll try to go in a little bit deeper with the quarterbacks, get the two QB leagues. The running backs was pretty heavy in week two. I imagine we're going to see more work in week three, and we'll work into Justin Jefferson's big game and talk about mm-hmm. what that means relative to the COVID situation as well. Let's get to the quarterbacks, though, first. Um, Nick Foles, hey, he got his he started uh, yeah. second half or yeah. came in the second half and got the win. Yeah, I, I mean, the inevitable has eventually happened here. I mean, no one really knew exactly how long Trubisky's leash was going to be. And after he started 2-0, and you know, maybe we thought that he'd get some leeway. But again, he didn't. He did not play well early. They made the switch in the third quarter, I believe it was. And now the job's Foles moving forward. And uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about that. Foles has some weapons. Did lose Tariq Cohen to a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to have Montgomery as the primary runner now, you know, stock up for him. He's, it seems like they've got Allen Robinson happy. I mean, I'd that's be happy. I think that's a good deal. That's a good deal mm-hmm. for an Allen Robinson roster or manager. Like, I think Robinson's going to see his workload bump up. Anthony Miller caught the touchdown that Foles yeah. threw. Uh, didn't really get many targets otherwise. And then Jimmy mm-hmm. Graham was the other guy that kind of emerged yeah. with Foles. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can depend on that week I'm to the week same way, yeah. Because of, you know, the time we've seen him with the Packers and even with the Seahawks and just, like, the trajectory of his career at this point. But, you know, every once in a while – I mean, basically, he'd be a best ball kind of guy, but nobody was really – he wasn't really on anyone's <laughs> best ball radar anyway. So uh, I don't know. If you pick Jimmy Graham up in a quick reaction, be prepared to get like 1.2 points He was week. good in week one, got plenty of targets. Week two was completely absent, and now here we see week three gets two mm-hmm. touchdown passes. I just think that – I mean, that's your best case scenario for Jimmy Graham, which you saw there. And you've always said in past podcasts, certainly last year – do you really want to go ahead and target a guy off his best performance? And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're going to see from yeah, Graham. That, it's a classic buy high. Right. You don't want to do that on Wall Street. Don't want to do that here. All right. So Foles is probably the pot, like the top, the top pickup this week. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if you're really diving too deep into the options out there, yeah. unless you're in a two QB league. And honestly, 
I have to imagine Foles was rostered in a two QB league mm-hmm. with the assumption this was going to yeah. inevitably happen. Yeah, you know, there are five or so quarterbacks. Tua probably falls into that. Herbert did before mm-hmm. the Taylor situation. There are a handful of guys with very low security in their jobs. I, I think of it like the closers grid on, on Rotowire MLB where you, <laughs> have, good, you yeah. have the low security guys and you and you pick up the setup, man. Chances are he was out there. But if not, I mean, it's a pretty big bid because I'm pretty confident he keeps this job the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. $35, $45 bid in a two quarterback league. Out of a budget of a hundred, yeah, or... out of hundred. Okay, so you're saying like half your half your budget, you're going to go after and get mm-hmm. fulls. I mean, if he's out there in a two quarterback league, especially if your quarterback situation is less than ideal, if you loaded up on other skill positions early, I think that's what it's going to take to get him in those super flex leagues. Yeah, I, I guess that's I guess that's true. I was thinking not any more than twenty to twenty five, so mm-hmm. a quarter of my budget, but. The idea being, I, I more than likely have other options. He's going to be exactly. QB three. If he needs to be starting for you, then yeah. But yeah. you might have other problems if Foles mm-hmm. is your yeah. needed starter. So I listed a whole bunch of streamers this week, but now that I'm thinking about it, you know, I don't necessarily know that they're going to be needed because there are no bye weeks yet until next week. Uh, so that's when you're really, that's when the whole quarterback streaming situation is going to be there. That's what I initially thought. But if Ryan Tannehill and Ben Roethlisberger don't play this weekend, and there's a risk of both uh, Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson not playing this weekend, then you maybe have to think about a quarterback streamer. So we can probably run through these a little bit. The guys at the top of the list in terms of percent rostered, I'll name them off, but nothing really jumps out at me as uh, something that I really want to dive into. Baker Mayfield, 43% at Dallas. Daniel Jones, 43% at the Rams. Uh, Kirk Cousins will kind of skip over that because that's uncertain and, you know, kind of bad anyway. Right. Phil Rivers, 24% at Chicago. Justin Herbert, 21% at Tampa Bay. All these guys are on the road, and that doesn't mean as much as it did, did in past seasons, but I don't know if there's a matchup out of that top tier that really jumps out at me. Yeah, I agree with you. Ironically, I think it's actually Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Seahawks this week. (laughs) He's owned in 7% of the leagues. Out of all those guys Mm -hmm. that you mentioned, I think he's the one that I like the most. Yeah, exactly. We're on the same page with that. I was going to say, you know, we have all these guys that will show up at the top of the list, but matchup-wise, you get Fitzpatrick, who is at home. I don't know what this Legion of Zoom is, but they're giving up, you know, 30, 40 points a week. Without Jamal Adams, potentially, too, who left uh, last Sunday's game with an injury Mm -hmm. as well. We know they've been struggling against the pass. I think Russell Wilson and company are going to be scoring a ton of points again, and they're probably going to do it all year long. Chris Carson's injury does not impact their offense in my mind in any noticeable way. So if that's the case, Fitzpatrick has to pass to keep going. And mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried because Devontae Parker, I'm not sure if you watched the Thursday night game, yep. he looked limited. I mean, he looks like a guy that's been mm-hmm. dealing with hamstring problems. He's been powering through it and, and making mm-hmm. good good route running abilities for what he can do. Yeah. I just think there's a lack of weapons, and mm-hmm. Jasicki might be the guy that gets the biggest benefit yeah. from this. But Parker's back nonetheless, and he does merit a person or two in coverage. So that only helps the case necessarily. Then you've got Kasicki, Preston Williams. I forget if it was the Dolphins game notes or, or Mario tweeted, needs to catch the ball with his hands was, uh, <laughs> uh, was the Preston Williams thing. But, you know, he did score the one touchdown, but then they didn't really need to throw so much uh, given that they were, you know, leading the rest of that game. And Miles Gaskin, you know, pr- uh, you know, coming out as a true weapon, possible RB2 in fantasy moving forward. So I think there's enough here to uh, keep the scoring going forward. There's production. He just always gets production. He had 328 yards uh, against the Bills in Week 2. Jacksonville still had two touchdowns and 160 yards. I think you're happy that the fact that he's able to provide stuff on the ground, and I think, again, this week against the Seahawks, that's probably inevitable as well. He had seven carries for 38 yards against the Jaguars last week. He got touchdown there, too. I'm not saying he's going to score three touchdowns again, but of all those options, I feel pretty good about him. I want to give you a two-watch scenario, though, right? I mean, two QB mm-hmm. leagues – 
We're looking at when Tua might eventually come in. Uh, the Dolphins play the Niners next week. So Seahawks this week, Niners next week, week five. Mm-hmm. Week six, they have a, an away game against the Broncos. I think maybe you could see Tua there, but then they have a two-week stretch at home yeah. against the Chargers, against the Rams. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, if the Dolphins have not won against the Seahawks or Niners or Broncos, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick is by no means a long-term solution at the quarterback spot. He's a pick-and-choose if you have Deshaun Watson and didn't draft anybody else, didn't think you'd need someone till a bye week later on, then you know you have to look at a guy like Fitz, and he'll, he'll be available everywhere. So that's the positive on that. I'm going to give you a scenario that I actually just worked through earlier this morning in my deeper 20-rostered 20 te- 20 NFFC league. So uh, our auction, it was an auction format. Um, I'm looking pretty good at the roster overall. Quarterbacks, though, are Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert. I'm looking for an additional roster spot. And the decision came down to, do I cut Baker Mayfield or Herbert? And I actually looked at Herbert's rest of the season schedule, or at least the next couple weeks, and I went with Herbert over Mayfield. I'm going to actually cut Mayfield and let him go. I know he plays the Cowboys this week, and maybe that might not be a great deal. This given is a their single defense. quarterback league, single right? Single quarterback league. So I'm just looking for depth at the quarterback spot, which one makes more sense. I like Herbert rest of season more than I do Baker Mayfield. I have to assume, and I, I get it, Anthony Lynn's trying to be positive towards his veteran quarterback, but Herbert's played well enough, certainly from a fancy perspective, but I think a real-life perspective too to be the guy for the Chargers moving forward over Taylor. That offense just didn't look that good in week one, and there's no reason that you want to move back to that when they've been able to move the ball. The defense hasn't been able to come through in the last two weeks. Am I crazy to go with Herbert rest of season as opposed to Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I'm looking at a point of reference here just in our season-long rankings here. We've got Mayfield at 22, which is not great. And we've got Herbert down kind of at 31, which might be a little bit low. You know, we have him below Nick Foles, below Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick and Tua are both 29 and 30. So uh, Herbert, the only guys he's above are Haskins, Mullins, you know, those two quarterback situations, Terod Taylor, Trubisky, that type of guy. And then we get into backups here and Driscoll all the way down at uh, 38. I don't know, man. If you have a gut feeling, I can't fault you for it because there's not a whole lot of difference between QB 22 and QB 28 at this point. You know, you're you're playing matchups at that point. If you think the matchups are going to be more favorable, sure, go for it. And then there's the fact where, you know, the Browns are going to have their most success when they're running the ball and take a run-heavy approach here. So that doesn't necessarily bode well for Baker's production. I don't think I would have made the same move, but uh, again, I don't feel all that strongly about it either way. You know, go for it if you got a gut feeling. Yeah, maybe it is a gut feeling. I'm not sure. I just, I, and I've watched a lot of Herbert so far. There's mistakes, but back to back 300 yard games, he's gotten touchdowns in both those games. Does a little bit on the ground. I think he could actually do more. Like if you're going to incorporate a better offense for Herbert, you're involving him a bit more as a runner as well. And that's ironic because they did that with Taylor in week one. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it. His chemistry with Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry is legitimate. I mean, the, the, there's something there with that. And I, yeah. I that's I, a positive. I dogged a lot at the beginning of the year for, uh, I think it was in our Dynasty League. I've got uh, both Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, and I, I took them at a discount because people were worried about Terod Taylor and what was going to happen there. I'm feeling real good about that. Yeah. And even in uh, one of my keeper leagues where I had to enter the, the – I almost always go for Travis Kelsey in this auction. Had to enter the year with less budget. Ended up going, you know, seven, eight dollar Hunter Henry instead of thirty, thirty five dollar Travis Kelsey. And you know, there's there's a drop off there, no doubt. But I'm really happy with my Hunter Henry shares. Uh, 
The Mike Williams ones, though, are the ones that uh, haven't quite been going as well. But maybe maybe we'll see that get going here after a little while. And, of course, he left Sunday's game with a hamstring injury at some point. We didn't know if he was going to come back or not. But uh, it's – yeah. So I, I agree with you. I thought Herbert was going to make Mike Williams better. We haven't seen it yet. Let's move over to the running back position. Um, not nearly as much depth as we saw last week. Kudos to you if you were aggressive in getting Mike Davis. Uh, less so if you were aggressive in getting Devonta Freeman. Daryl Henderson worked out. Okay, so don't worry about Devontae Freeman okay. yet. All right, we, we came out. I don't see. I don't. Maybe I'll look at the exact percentage here. But um, I remember Jay Glazer beforehand saying that uh, he would only be in line for about thirty percent of the snaps. I mean, what the heck do you expect here? Um, you know, nothing too crazy there. He ended up getting twenty nine percent of the snaps, and he led the team in carries. Right. So right. I, Devontae Freeman will take the. Again, the Giants only ran 10 rushing plays total, at least uh, according to this backfield split. Maybe more if you count some Daniel Jones scrambles. But uh, Freeman didn't really get any of the targets. We have to imagine that'll change. You know, he ran six routes. The routes per drop back weren't great. Um, I think you'll see his snap share go up. This isn't going to be a committee. I think you'll see Wayne Gallman kind of back to the bench. Deion Lewis, obvious passing downs, but we'll get that work cut into with Freeman. We said all along last week, if you were picking Freeman up, you weren't picking was him up long for week term. three. You weren't picking because he was just basically signed when we did the show on Tuesday. Didn't quite have enough time to get involved in the playbook. Um, I think he'll be better moving forward. So don't freak out and drop Freeman, especially after you spent 35 45% of your fab bids on, on him. Um, he'll eventually have a longer utility than Mike Davis, but for these next two weeks, it's still a Mike Davis situation. So would you go out and pick up Freeman this week? I mean, th- it's possible if you're in a shallower league that uh, he might not have been scooped up last week. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm going out and aggressively getting him now, especially if Miles Gaskin, who is still technically available in over 50% of the leagues right now on Yahoo, or even a guy like uh, Carlos Hyde, if Chris Carson is expected to miss the one to two weeks. I mean, Freeman is very clearly number three out of that group for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, li- I like Freeman a little bit better than Carlos Hyde, but obviously Miles Gaskin at 47% rostered should be your first choice, and that should be the first name you type in when you go to any kind of waiver column because surprisingly he is only 50 he's 53% available in Yahoo leagues. You can't let owners get away with that any further. His snap share was 75% this week. His carry share was 79%. He had 22 carries compared to just three for Brita, three for Howard. Brita can get dropped easily. No worries about that. Jordan Howard... Yeah, it's a pain that he's vulturing that goal line carry, but uh, I think we've seen, we've seen the writing on the wall in these first couple weeks with Gaskin leading in both categories, and in a game that the Dolphins were firmly in control of, Gaskin was the guy. So he's he, he seems like a safe RB2 for you rest of season. That should be the first name you're looking to pick up. It's interesting you're not buying Carlos Hyde. Cause I'm assuming Carlos Hyde, kind of like Jarek McKinnon last week, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but I thought Jarek McKinnon was a perfect one to two week starter, and I think Carlos Hyde actually might fit that mold as well. But you're not you're not buying that. Yeah, I, I mean, I still rank him as the number two running back pickup this week. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, if it's a short term, you know, maybe you could even see Hyde being played on a similar level to Devontae Freeman. But the thing with Hyde is, I kind of like Travis Homer. He's only one percent rostered. I got to keep catching myself. Every You're doing great time. on it. It's all I'm right. I'm doing my best, guys. Uh, he's only 1% rostered, and I, he has an interesting role. From Jerry's Hidden Statline article, I wrote this quote Homer got 10 of the 11 snaps on third down and medium long, so that's a factor there. Hyde's still probably the favorite of early down work, but. Uh, We'll see how much the, the the run game gets involved here, given how well, that's stellar what I was Russell say. Wilson right. has been. But and they face the Dolphins. Team. They yeah. face the Dolphins. Yeah. So I mean, 
I don't know, this is a team that was right up there with the Vikings and Ravens in terms of percentage of rushing plays, you know, last season right. and possibly the year before. I think they get back to it. Um, Travis Homer is somebody that I remember in our dynasty draft, I took him and I immediately got a message from Mario, dang it, Jake. And I was like, okay, so that tells me, <laughs> you did that good. tells me that I did, I did something well. You know, if Mario, who's followed these guys since college, it, it was on him. I don't know. I, I like Homer. I think Homer is actually the better player and Hyde is the most experienced one. And if Carson misses any more than two weeks, I think we start to see this go more to 50-50 with Homer being the pass catching back in that series. I mean, Chris Carson was getting a lot of, you know, most of his work, you know, running routes out of the backfield, right. getting receiving touchdowns. That's where most of his fantasy production came from. So who's the back out of those two guys that's going to, you know, J.D. McKiss- McKissick's in Washington. They don't have him anymore. Who's the back out of those two that's going to get the passing down work, especially with this defense kind of giving up all these points and Russell Wilson working miracles with his arm? I don't know. I don't think you have to. I would rather put a $1 bid on Homer or maybe scoop him out for $0 later than put an overly aggressive bid on Carlos Hyde. I don't think the bid should be more than $17 on Hyde. Okay. You know what? I think that's good advice. My thought was, hey, uh, you're looking for a starting running back if Carson's gone. If you don't have the options available, Hyde makes a lot of sense. They face a Dolphins team that has a lot, a lot of points. But we've seen, I mean, James Robinson tore him up uh, this past mm-hmm. week, and it was in ideal situations to pass the ball, and yet he was still the check down option. But if the Seahawks are going to continue to let Russ, cook, let Russ cook, then Homer probably is the one that is the biggest benefit of it as opposed to Hyde because you're right Homer's the more talented player Hyde is the veteran he gets maybe the first and second down work but Homer will be coming in on passing downs and if they're passing it even if they're up well then Homer's the one that benefits so yeah. that's that's a good take I, I agree with you on that it, it's tough to gauge because Carson was injured late in the game and still had 58 percent of the snap share here um but uh you know Carson got a higher percentage 43 of 58 snaps on first and second downs Again, the sample size is weird. Uh, Homer, of course, more routes for drop back, 11 routes to Hyde's eight. Um, and then they both actually had a 21% of the snap share. And Homer even got two carries in the game. So uh, I think these two are closer than what they're going to go for in your league's fab for sure. Uh, this one is probably not as, I mean, it's not certainly not as relevant as Miles Gaskin or the Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, um, but we probably need to talk about the 49ers running backs, at least in some capacity, right? Because we sure. don't know what's going to happen with Mostert's status. Uh, it, it was pretty clear last week he was not going to play. I still feel like that's the case this week. Mm-hmm. We know Tevin Coleman's on injured reserve. Now we had Jarek McKinnon, who I boldly proclaimed was going to be a top 15 running a back. top 10 running back. Uh-uh, I said, <laughs> I, I walked it back immediately. Of and course I said, you walked it back 15. as soon as the conversation went somewhere else. We and had he- another board bit bet on our uh, Rotowire office uh, Zoom meeting where yeah, Joe came out and proclaimed that he was going to be a top 10 back. And I was like, okay, you're on. Easy money, right? And then apparently somewhere along the line, it was walked back. So We have record know. of this. I'm sure we can find the Rotoware Zoom meeting call and like go back to it. I very clearly said top 15. And then Tim mm-hmm. Schuler, who probably has the record of this. Tim, if you're listening to the podcast, yeah, we'll, we'll first catch off, tomorrow. thank you. But uh, second off. Ju- Judge Schuler. Yes. He'll, 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 he'll say, yeah. Verdict. Well, McKinnon finished top 14. I mean, he finished 14th mm-hmm. overall on ESPN scoring. So there you go. The running back that did finish top 10 ironically was jeff wilson he got a garbage time touchdown at the mm-hmm. end he had a touchdown late in the third quarter middle of the third quarter as well um i mean like here's the situation if mckinnon doesn't play at all and we know most are likely isn't going to play i think that's fair to say mm-hmm. wilson is very clearly in that capacity for me we know he's a yeah. goal line guy i mean like if you're looking for an immediate week four 
starter against the Eagles, even with Nick Mullins uh, likely mm-hmm. the quarterback again this week, Kittle might be back. I don't know. I, I still think I like Jeff Wilson quite a bit yeah. as a RB2. I don't think I'm as high on him as you are because a lot of his production did come later in that game when the th- when it was way out of hand. I think if they get closer games, it'll be much more of a McKinnon show. Are they going to have a close the- game against the Eagles? I mean, that, that's Possibly. that's where I'm looking Let's at Let's see this. what we got. Uh, hang on a sec. Let's see. I'll get the spread here for that game. Um, against the Eagles, it is 49ers minus – holy cow, it opened at minus three, and now it's like minus seven across the board. <laughs> Ve- man, Vegas really doesn't love Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. How can you love Philadelphia? Have you watched any of their games? Yeah, I mean Carson Wentz had looked brutal until the very, very, very end. I have and then he looked more than he looked brutal again. I have Joe Burrow in a lot of places that I care about, so I, I was actually like actively watching that Eagles Bengals game mm-hmm. throughout. And a Burrow looks great. I feel I feel very comfortable about that. The Eagles do not, and and they might also be missing Deshaun Jackson too. So guess who their number one wide receiver is right now? Uh, Greg Ward. Greg Ward. Exactly. I did jot him down really late. Greg Greg Ward is your number one receiver, and actually, we'll talk about him a little bit. I, I, I actually, don't mind him. I in a deep drafted league. Greg Ward in our dynasty draft. There you go. So your dynasty. So nobody league, can bid on him. Yeah, your dynasty league is looking great, or your dynasty team is looking great compared to mine. But that, that's a different conversation. I, like I just I don't know. Like I don't know what turns around the Eagles' offense, but I certainly don't think it's going to be a date with the Niners. So I actually feel like Jeff Wilson, much like Jarek McKinnon last week, especially mm-hmm. if McKinnon's out. Uh, would make great sense. Yeah. McKinnon was diagnosed it's, with a rib contusion. I mean, it's it's a bruise, guys. It, it's a it's a short term play. That, that's the one thing. It's a short term play. We mentioned last week when we were kind of joking about, oh, watch Wilson go vulture one of his touchdowns. Well, that's exactly what happened. Now you have to make an actual bid on him because I don't think you're going to slide through and get him for zero dollars. Yeah. What's the bid though for a one two weeks tops play seven to nine dollars? Yeah, I was thinking ten percent of my budget. That, that's that's about it, and then especially if if you told me right now today McKinnon's not playing, I'll bump it up to fifteen to twenty percent. Because I'm sure yeah. I'm, I'm oh, sure there's fair. a lot of people out there that have a Chris Carson, a Le'Veon Bell, a Saquon Barkley, Chris yep. McCaffrey, whatever, and then watch Moster slip in and, and get some other practices yeah. this week. This is right. it's not really fair to make a concrete decision on this on Tuesday. We did just add a Thursday waiver wire show or article to the website though by Longo. Uh, definitely check that out on Thursdays if you're a website subscriber. Great compliment to Kevin Payne's Tuesday edition here. A uh, couple stretch running backs we want to talk about before receivers. We don't have to spend a ton of time on these guys. Yeah. Uh, Cordell Patterson likely now going to mm-hmm. fit in as that running back role for Tariq Cohen. Um, he, he, I mean, he's seen a little bit more work, but like you look mm-hmm. at the snaps and we talked about the hidden stats article, Jerry discussed it as well. Patterson's very clearly a running back. He doesn't really do yeah. as much like route running wide receiver stuff anymore, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm really that interested in it. I mean, Tariq Cohen sneakily wasn't very good either yeah, he in that role too. Yeah. I don't know if things will change with Foles or not. It's very difficult to predict. Uh, he's a low dollar player that you can maybe fill the last bench spot with if you miss the rest of your bids. Uh, he had four carries. And he had five routes, so that kind of how that's kind of how it compares. Tariq Cohen, thirty-two percent of the snap share. Now we have to decide how is that thirty-two percent going to be distributed? Is, is Montgomery suddenly the workhorse, and there's little change for Patterson, or does Patterson keep his old role with maybe fifteen to twenty percent of Cohen, and then suddenly we have someone that could get you four or five PPR points a week, and and then that, there's value in that format. So I just wanted to make note of that because you know you can put him in a receiver slot, especially if you're in one of those three receiver or double flex leagues or or you know what have you. And, you know, basically you're getting a, a, an RB, I don't know, just a backup running back back right. there. So there's something something on there. I don't – like even in deep leagues, like I'm looking at like uh, the, the, the Roto-Wire and, uh, NFFC championship that I'm doing. I have two different leagues. 
I'm not looking at Patterson for either one of those. So if I'm not going to go there when we have 20, 20 bench roster or 20 roster spots, I'm not sure what league you're looking at for him. Okay. So, um, All right. I, I did want to put a warning here about the New England backfield because oh, I always sh- I always scan through, you know, like every other mainstream mm-hmm. waiver wire thing, mostly just to make sure I don't miss anybody to talk about, but also to see if there are any kind of false flags here. And the one pickup I did see recommended in a few places was Rex Burkhead. Had a pretty solid game, a lot of targets. Oh, he know, destroyed he me in the back. Sirius XM host draft, which my Jeez. team has A.J. Brown, D.J. Chark, George Kittle, Jeez. and Julio Jones. That's pretty ballsy to be starting Rex Burkhead. Well, he had missed Saquon Barkley, so yeah. I lost to the team that lost Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. That's that's how bad my Sirius XM yeah. Rotowire league is mm-hmm. right now. So Burkhead had a great game, a couple of touchdowns, top 10 running back. Mm-hmm. Um, Not he, top two, actually. Yeah. <laughs> even Sony Michelle had a good game, given you know that this game is basically a blowout. I'm just saying don't fall for it, right? We know what Rex Burkhead is. We know what he's been through the course of his career. When James White does come back, you know thoughts are with him and, and the tragic accident mm-hmm. there, uh, but he's now missed two weeks you have to imagine a return could be on the horizon unless he's got unless he went back to I don't know exactly. Did he go back to the family and then has to quarantine again? I, I, so the Patriots have been really sneaky with that information. We don't know. And, and the same goes to Damien Harris as well. I was going to say yes. We don't know what Damien Harris' yeah. status is. He could be mm-hmm. activated off to injury reserve soon. We mm-hmm. have no idea. He They've could been be keeping activated, that, I think, in week five or it was week four. Cause they were, I think it was week four. Yeah, so he could go ahead he and come out and be this activated week. this week. Right. So suddenly, say James White and Damien Harris both are back in the mix. Where does that rank Rex Burkhead on your weekly list of running backs? Definitely outside the top 30. Yeah. I I think I think Burkhead's going to be a guy that I I make sure I put at least a small bit on in the event that White and Harris don't come back because we don't know anything about their status and mm-hmm. we just saw it last week if that's the case Burkhead becomes a pretty valuable uh, fantasy player especially in PPR formats yeah. much it, like White is it, it, it's kind of good uh, Jeff Wilson vibe where if there's value it's going to be very short term and you can almost put that short term value at Burkhead PPR Wilson non PPR I mean that could be the distinction that you draw because Wilson yeah. I know I know Burkhead had a good game, but Wilson's seemingly has a better shot of reaching the end zone. Yes. And I, I actually think the 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 path for Wilson to have fantasy relevance is easier than that of Burkhead because just the lack of information, we, we just really don't know anything. Mm-hmm. So if I'm making my waiver yeah. wire choices on Tuesday, I'm going to go with the situation that I know mm-hmm. just a little bit more, which is the Niners' backfield yeah. as opposed to the Patriots. Yeah, you're spinning a random wheel and hoping for upside. Uh, outside of Cohen, I did want to note one potential drop, and this one may be controversial given the price that was paid on draft day. But DeAndre Swift... 9% snap share. I mean, I think he's you got to consider parting ways at this point when it's pretty clearly an Adrian Peterson backfield with a touch of carry on Johnson behind him. DeAndre Swift basically needs an injury to become relevant and it's not and it's very different than a than a Pollard or Madison situation where even if yeah. there was an injury, he still sure. jumps himself into a timeshare. So, I don't know if that's worth a roster spot. That, you know, that's a good point. I mean, the the Pollards and Edmonds are way more valuable. Um, Anthony McFarland has kind of it seems it seems at least this past week taken over as James mm-hmm. Connor as James Connor's primary backup. Okay, I think I might even want uh, him more than DeAndre Swift right now. I was talking about DeAndre Swift um, with our resident Lions Pistons fan uh, Shannon McEwen, and 
man, did I say his name last name right? Is that close? That's close yeah. enough. No, we, that's right. Just, everyone knows who Shannon is right now. We've been on the Rotoware pod, podcast for a number of well, years. Well, he does the Fine. NBA podcast on yes. Fridays. I okay. think. So I, people, I, I, we I all know, know who Shannon cross, is. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how much cross listenership we have, but anyway, uh, he anyway. was he was dissing the lines for the Adrian Peterson usage, and rightfully so. You can't spend two second round picks on Carryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift, and then have this thirty five year old vulture and Adrian Peterson getting the as much mm-hmm. workload as he did. I I, I don't even think it's going to be. I think if Patricia gets fired at some point, and he actually, Shannon actually thought by week five or six, it's entirely possible, then you see the actually relevant good players playing. But until that point happens, I'm not sure where Swift factors yeah. in. The thing is with fantasy is you can't ever count on coaches, even good coaches, to use their best players. Monday night was the was a classic That's example uh, where we finally saw Miko Hardman kind of getting more targets than Demetrius Harris for the first time all year. You know. It, that hasn't been the case up until now. And on the Ravens side, you still see Miles Boykin on the field more than Devin DuVernay. Who so, got the return touchdown, who got right? The, yeah, who got the return touchdown. So you can't always count on coaches to use their best players. And a 9% sh- snap share for me tells me everything I need to know. In 10-team leagues, I'm dropping Swift. It's I agree. Oh, yeah. In 10-team leagues, Even I think— Even in 12-team, you have to consider keeping it, putting him on the chopping block. If you ran into other injuries and need right. one— And I, I'd drop Swift. Like, if Gaskin's still out there in your 10-team league, yes. I'd drop— uh, I drop Ga- or Swift for Gaskin in a heartbeat, and that's not even something I think about. Yeah, you might have the luxury of being able to wait on Swift because I think it just—I really believe he's a talented player. But God, this Lions situation is just horrible, and could, I want nothing to do with could it. Could always be like a Daryl Henderson situation where the breakout comes a little bit later. Let's get to some more positive news, which is really the wide receivers that are available this week. Um, I'm going to start first with a guy that's actually probably lesser owned, Justin Jefferson. Finally. Finally had his breakout. There was three guys that I had rostered in more than half of my leagues. It was Joe Burrow, Ronald Jones, Justin Jefferson. That three. actually Blake Jarwin too, who of course hit, uh, you know, was out for the season after week one. I don't know what the Vikings were thinking throughout the first two weeks, but then to have Justin Jefferson have seven catches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns, mm-hmm. whatever it was, this week yeah. as the primary force. Uh, it's it's negligible. I mean, like Mike Zimmer and company, it's negligible that got to the point. I'm happy to see Jefferson do his thing now. Mm-hmm. And to me, he is a number one waiver wire claim pickup at this moment. I think the Vikings offense has to have a second wide receiver to be actually relevant in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen's around, but we know that there has to be a, a, a Robin to his Batman. Jefferson's yeah. that guy. So here's what happened. In week one, Jefferson's 69.2% of snaps to Busy Johnson's 63.5. In week two, Busy Johnson had 77.8% to 53.7% for Justin Jefferson. Suddenly, week three, with no notable injury that we're seeing for Busy Johnson, he only gets 7.7% of the snaps. Chad Beebe sneaks in at 33.8%. Tajay Sharp didn't play, and Jefferson gets a season-high 78.5%. I don't see how you can go back from that no, a- you can't. after the week he had. So I-, I would agree with you. He looked great. Uh, not only making the catch, but in making things happen after, after the, the catch. catch, which is his whole thing. That which, the prospect which, profile you, wise, you need that when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, right? <laughs> yes. Kirk Cousins isn't going to set you up with a perfectly led forty-five, fifty-yard bomb down the field. You know, he'll he'll chuck it with short to medium routes, and then it'll be on the receiver to make a move downfield and score. And uh, man, I, I think playing. Having Jefferson more in the mix will help Kirk Cousins a little bit. Now, again, we do have to kind of put an asterisk here. The the Vikings played the Titans last week. The mm-hmm. Titans have their their COVID outbreak here. We, it's a very much a situation in limbo, and the Vikings game could be affected by this. And there's it's 
difficult to predict what you're going to do with the schedule if they can't play the Texans this week. But even if the Vikings end up off this week, I think Justin Jefferson needs to be on your on your waiver radar. I, I really believe he's the top guy to pick up from this week overall. Alan Lazard, who is just barely qualifies for mm-hmm. our our podcast here, sits at fifty percent. Yeah, Yahoo. that was more of a note. Like, hey, he's, Alan Lazard, fifty percent had a career high. Lazard's real. Sixty yards. Yep. yep. He, he's a real player, regardless of Adams plays or not. I think mm-hmm. he got the benefit of that. Really, I thought uh, MVS was going to get the Lazard production that we mm-hmm. saw this past against the Saints, but it was yeah. Lattimore that was covering MVS, which allowed Lazard to do his mm-hmm. stuff. Lazard's yeah. going to be there all season long. If you need a wide receiver three or flex, you should have already picked him up by now because I think he's a, he's a, the real deal. But Justin Jefferson has the higher potential and is much more needed in that offense to be an NFL offense. There's, I just don't know how else to say it. Why it took to week three to get Justin Jefferson here, I don't know. I'm happy to see it. I didn't. I didn't lose faith. I mean, we expected to see some of this, right? With no preseason and a limited training camp, you know, maybe someone like Justin Jefferson needed a couple weeks of actual game flow and game speed to really get into that. And another situation like that is T. Higgins for the Bengals. Yes, he made his. First, that one makes more sense. Yeah, to me. he made his first start week three here. Finally, had John Ross show up on the inactive list. I think healthy. Jeff, he was a healthy, healthy inactive. stretch. I, I remember. Uh, you know, I. I have my hands in so many cookie jars on Sunday mornings that I'm looking at different things for the website, and part of my role is inactives, and I usually get some of the lighter teams to worry about inactives-wise, and the Bengals were one of my team. Suddenly, John Ross, healthy scratch, and T. Higgins getting the start. You know, They all came, and suddenly I was thrusted into some higher-profile notes to, uh, to watch there. And T. Higgins, he broke out. He had two touchdowns. He was, he was strong in this game, and... I think he's, you know, in my sweep of all these other waiver wire articles, sites, podcasts, what have you. He's going under the radar, right? He is going under the Uh radar. He's ranked a little bit too low. Everyone loves Jefferson, and rightfully so. I agree with that. But everyone seems to like Ayuk a little bit more. I see people ranking Elshon Jeffrey as a spec ad higher. I see people ranking Scotty Miller higher. And and I can believe that with Godwin maybe said to miss some time here. But uh, T. Higgins, I mean, if... If we take Alan Lazard out of these rankings, because he's probably over 50% by the time we're recording, I think T. Higgins, I don't know, it's like 2A and 2B with Brandon Ayuk, who's 28% rostered here. Um, I don't know. T. Higgins is a sneaky pickup. Uh, I'll take a, I'll take the jump higher. I think he's higher up than Ayuk for me. I like mm-hmm. I, It's not even a 2A, 2B. I'm, I'm very clearly in Higgins. And again, I watched the Bengals-Eagles game really in its entirety. It was just crazy to see how focused Burrow was when Higgins was on the field. I, I don't know the exact snap share relative I'm, I'm to the rest of the right guys. Now because A.J. Green is, is, is interesting. This is almost a three-way split here. Tyler Boyd, 75%. A.J. Green, 76.4%. The leader, T. Higgins, 79.2%. Okay. His snap share has like, gone up significantly every single week. Auden Tate was in the mix this week. Mike Thomas was in the mix a little bit here. But, you know, A.J. Green's not the number one target anymore. I'm no. pretty sure that's well, Tyler, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd for sure. And, and and that's like, that's not a doubt much in the way we think of Keenan Allen and the chargers. I think we're going to think of Tyler Boyd and the mm-hmm. Bengals for years to come. So that's not a and question. Suddenly for me. AJ green turns into Mike Williams in that analogy, yeah, that's which, true. which definitely is not good for AJ green. No. <laughs> and then I thought green was done anyway. So the fact that we're getting reinforced by that feels better, mm-hmm. but just going back to T Higgins, I don't think people understand how good of a profile he did having come out of a college profile he had. Like, I mean, there was a reason he was the first pick in the second round. I thought Michael Pittman was a better player, but really after that point, I would have been fine if the Packers had taken Higgins. I thought he was better than Ayuk, who went uh, a little bit before him in the first round. 
there, there's a very good player who is a big body receiver, and he used that effectively with Burrow. I, I just can't mm-hmm. stress that enough. Go back and watch some of Higgins' highlight tapes against the Eagles this past week and watch what he did catching the ball with his hands on the sideline, using his body to get the play. To, to me, it looked like Jordy Nelson. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know if like people can understand that or rationalize yeah. as a Packers fan that and, I am. And the stats back it up. I'm looking at the numbers, 67.7 air yards per game, 1.54 air yards per snap, almost 20% of his team's total air yards, and his average depth of target, which is kind of a growing stat, 13.5 yards. So he's going to be set for some big plays this year. And I don't think uh, that that production was a flash in the pan by any means. I think you're going to see him being very useful the rest of the year. And I just, I'm surprised to see how kind of under the radar he's been, undervalued he's been on some of these rankings lists. Jefferson is a a very clear one option for me. And if we were to put Jefferson's production this week into last week's podcast when we had so many options, he's still a top three, top four overall. And Mm -hmm. that's, again, that's how much I like Jefferson. I think he was going to be a player, and I'm happy to see him in that offense. Higgins is very clearly number two out of all the available players, I think, Mm -hmm. that that fit this category. If you count, it feels cheating, but I still count Gaskin. Yeah, I'm I'm ignoring Gaskin. Ignore Lazard. Okay. So to me, it's it's a very obvious number two. It's not to say that Brandon Ayuk can't be involved as a as a pickup option this week. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw all the injuries the Niners have been dealing with. It's good to see him involved, and they draft him in the first round for a reason. So if you're out there and considering Higgins and Ayuk, I still go ahead with Higgins. That's not to say that Ayuk is not a good option. And in fact, I'll even expand this a little mm-hmm. further. Zach Pascal, especially with our guy Michael Pittman, done for what appears to be a little while. The Colts yeah. have been a little bit uh, hiding the. Information patriotic-like mm-hmm. yeah. as to what that injury looks like. He had a lower leg surgery. It's a new word. It's a patriotic kind of way. Just combine them, and we've got a new term here. Lower leg surgery. That that doesn't sound good when you're a wide receiver that really was using his body and his legs as the primary asset for his breakout capabilities. So we already know that uh, Paris Campbell also out for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to do other pass catching stuff. T.Y. Hilton has not been a big answer for them. I think Zach Pascal is another guy that right fits in that category as a wide receiver. Five. Pittman was getting more more tar- or more snaps, like more time on the field, and I think it, even more air yards. I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but I just remember flagging something like that. Pittman was so ready for a breakout, and then of course the injury happened because mm-hmm. he was getting used more than T.Y. Hilton, and I and I, I truly think that Rivers could use Pittman as an even better Mike Williams if you if you comp to Rivers' time with L.A. in the past seasons. Remember that, uh, what is that, prediction strike we did the read for yes. right now? If you see Pittman's a guy, I'd definitely flag. If you're, you're playing getting the shares, you're getting the prediction format, strike shares. I'd, I'd wait for that stock to tumble, 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 and then I'd start scooping that up for maybe later in the season or next year. Um, as long as it's not serious. like We, we just don't even know. Like the, the language and like the ambiguity of it makes me worried, and I really, really like Pittman. I actually have... Pittman in every dynasty league that I did, and I've done too many dynasty leagues this year. Uh, I like him a lot. I'm I'm a little bit worried. Yeah. Brian Edwards, who also had an injury uh, in this game, he's another one of those guys I liked a lot. That it's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Pittman's I, just been a roller coaster this year, man. <laughs> he, he, I, I drafted him in a bunch of leagues. Okay, he doesn't have a job really, so I guess in shallow leagues I can cut bait. Then Paris Campbell gets hurt. Oh crap! I better pick him back up. Twelve dollar bid in stake league, you know, right out the window. Um, because now it's like, okay, do I keep him on the roster for this long? I can't really afford that as bye weeks are starting to creep up. I don't really know. And then, so it's add, drop, add, drop. I still love his long-term outlook. Uh, you can't control injuries. That kind of thing happens. But anyway, Jefferson, 
one. Okay, T. Higgins, number two. I still put Ayuk. Ayuk is three. I, yeah, I, I, I put him ahead of Je- Zach Pascal. You know, we mentioned maybe a spec add on Elshon Jeffrey, who's getting back to practice. Uh, I'd much rather have Greg Ward. Much rather yeah. have Greg Ward out of that mm-hmm. conversation. Can we just – Ayuk had five catches, 70 yards, three carries for 31 yards at a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He saw 56 offensive snaps. It's fine if you use Ayuk for this week. I'm not sure how many people are really in need of a wide receiver three. If you mm-hmm. are, in fact, looking at Titans guys perhaps to, to get rid of the Corey Davises, Adam Humphreys like I have to, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Ayuk makes some sense. We know Debo Samuel is going to be coming back soon. He, he's actually eligible, I think, to return this week, but I don't know if we've heard conversation regarding whether he's, he's coming back or not. Roster. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. He's still 72% rostered in Yahoo League, so you can't go and sneak up. Right. So, like, Debo. Uh, well, and it's because you could stash him in IR. I mean, like, that's probably kind of the reason yeah, why you a lot could of do leagues that. adding IR spots this so, year. That's fair. Okay. I think once Samuel comes back, Kittle already seems like he's possible for, for this, too. I think the production goes down while the snaps stay the same. So you're, you're potentially hoping. Hoping for Ayuk to be more involved. The Niners had to use him this past week. I don't think in future weeks they're going to have to. So that's why he's three out of that group. Pascal's probably five with mm-hmm. Greg Ward or Scott Miller. Um, I still put Miller and Ward above Pascal. Yeah. I think they're going to go to the tight ends more in Indianapolis, which kind of sets us, tees us up for a transition here. Yeah, Miller is 16% owned. Chris Godwin had to have a hamstring, or he had an injury and an MRI on that hamstring. That never sounds good. I guess I don't know if we really know what the results were um, for that for that MRI. Like that, that should be probably a bigger deal. Uh, and we've seen Scott Miller be involved. We, we just know this ambiguous, uh, he's going to miss time. Godwin's going to mm-hmm. miss time. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's the what, what does that mean? Thank I, you, Tampa Bay Times. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but Miller has injuries of his own with the hip and groin. I don't know. Like, let, give me Greg Ward, then Pascal, and we'll go to the tight ends. Because you're right. Mo Ali Cox for, for the Colts. Uh, Doyle came back, and yet Ali Cox was still mm-hmm. involved in the passing game. We know Rivers likes those basketball tight ends. And I feel yep. like we saw it this past week, too. The the part that makes me a little bit concerned, I wish I could buy in a little bit more, they play the Jets, right? Like, what do you make of watching a Jets game right now? I, I don't think you can really gather anything definitive about an NFL offense when you're facing the Jets who are just mm-hmm. barely an NFL caliber franchise at this point. Well, okay, so I, I do want to talk about the Colts tight end alignment because as much as I like Mo Cox, there are a couple of red flags here, I want to say. Um, number one is that with Doyle back, Doyle runs a higher percentage of routes on passing plays. It's only by a couple percent, but 94.3% to 92.7%. Let's see. Cox has played 114 snaps and ran 38 routes, while Doyle has played 86 snaps and ran 35 routes. So if there's a a line between the two, you definitely say Doyle would be the pass catcher and Allie Cox more of the blocker. So I don't know if you can expect that same level necessarily you can't necessarily project that and suddenly think Mo Ali Cox is safe. At the same time, we got kind of a bum list of tight ends here. And right. I think Mo Ali Cox can be rostered as the tight end too, uh, based on just potential that he grows into that role. And it's not like Jack Doyle's ever really stayed healthy for a consistent amount of time either. So Zach Burden also is around too. He was on injured reserve and probably is eligible to come back soon. And with all those receivers down, they're going to have to involve the tight end. Just the fact that he has the chemistry of Phil Rivers is important to me. Uh, I'm a George Kittle uh, manager in a couple different spots. I'm looking at Ross Dwelly first 
especially if uh, Kittle is not out. I would rather have Rostowelli this week. But for long term, I'd rather have Mo Ali Cox. And and even to a lesser extent, I think I'd have Dalton Schultz, too, who's available in 31% of leagues. He had four catches for 48 yards, not nearly as good uh, Mm -hmm. when he faces the Falcons the the prior week. But against the Falcons, it's those games are going to happen. And in fact— Well, and the Cowboys are going to find themselves in a ton of shootouts. Right. Yes. And I was going to say, in fact, the Falcons play the Packers this week. And our boy— He's not really our boy. Robert Tanyan. I mean, Bobby like, T. it's it's possible that Tanyan gets a little bit more involved. We see the Falcons struggle so much. Jimmy Graham just had two touchdown receptions this past week. Schultz mm-hmm. went for 9 and 98 the week before. I, like, they, they don't, the Packers, being they, the Packers don't involve tight ends in the same way the Cowboys, um, the Cowboys and Bears do. But I still think what we saw on Sunday night with those rollout options, the tight end coming mm-hmm. across the other way, you're going to see Tanya and, to a lesser extent, Sternberger yeah. do some things. Yeah, we'll definitely see if Devontae Adams comes back because the way Lazard's been playing, I think the targets that go to Devontae would have been seemed to be targets that would go to Tanya and Sternberger. But at the same time, I do like your logic here. Uh, out of the two, even though Sternberger was the higher draft pick, Tanya appears to be the the main pass catcher. You know, He's been less affected by drops than Sternberger was earlier in the year. He's been on the field for about two-thirds of the Packers' snaps in all three weeks, 94, 90.4% route running rate per drop back. Uh, so that that's all you know, good enough for Tanyan to be, if you're going to target a Green Bay tight end, if you're at that point, he would be the guy to, uh, to go for. I'll give you this. I, I don't think we have a gambling podcast yet on this RotoWire network. I'm sure hoping that's going to happen soon. I will take a decent size bet on Tanyan to score a touchdown and the Packers to win. I, I just feel like mm-hmm. that we're setting that up. The Packers' uh, offense has really struggled in the red zone, but they've gotten there plenty of times. Really, it takes one flare out, one breakout play, and you can't always throw Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Lazard yeah. in the end zone. I like <laughs> I like Tanyan for a touchdown against the Falcons this week, and I do think the Packers yeah. win and win pretty easily. Oh, wow. If you thought the over under total on the Monday night game was wild. Look at this week. The Packers opened at minus five favorites. That's been bet to essentially minus seven, minus seven and a half. The total on that game is 58. I think I take the over. <laughs> I, I think I, mean, I the, take the over. I on mean, that. neither defense can stop anybody, right. and both offenses you know, are, are quality offenses. So, uh, Jesus, Kelvin Ridley going to have 200 yards? Well, I'm wondering, like, does Julio Jones play? Because if Julio Jones plays, I'm easily taking the over. Yeah, Julio, Julio Jones he destroys the Packers. The Packers. Yes, Every he really single does. Time. I'm they glad you bring they don't have, They've never stopped <laughs> Julio Jones for as long as I can remember here. Um, but anyway, back on track. Uh, so you mentioned what Ross Dwelly is a possible tight end with Jordan Reed now out six to eight weeks. Yeah. That very much hinges on the appearance of Kittle. Right. If and, Kittle's out there, there's no way I'm picking Dwelly. Yeah, and I just wanted to note that only 6% Ross or Jordan Akins, if he hasn't been picked up in your two tight end leagues so far, might want to think about him. Runs routes. He's got that route rate I've been talking about, 92.3%. He's actually number 12 in the league overall with 60 routes run. Now the Texans play the Vikings this week, and we mm-hmm. there's some question marks about that game. Uh, so maybe he's not worth a pickup then. But if you've got the space and someone in your two tight end league drops him because of the situation there, he might be someone who I think hasn't quite reached his ceiling on the season. And the, and the Texans have gotten a, a good handful of national tele- televised games, even though they're 0-3. And, and Aikens always seems like somebody that plays that becomes a factor or could become a factor in the end. I kind of like him, but not necessarily... I think I like Aikens better than Tanyan rest of season, but Tanyan better than Aikens this week. Um, and I still put him behind Schultz and Mo Alley-Cox. 
Let's get to the defenses um, real quick. We have the Eagles that are going against Nick Mullins and the Niners. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like I said, I watched that Burrow game um, with the Bengals last week. Mm-hmm. That defense isn't very good. The offense definitely isn't good. But the defense, they're just like they took advantage of a bad offensive line, and that's it. But Burrow was able to still move the ball effectively on them. I know it's a backup quarterback, but Nick Mullins, and he burned me real bad on some prop bets that I didn't do uh, this past Sunday. He's not a bad backup quarterback in the NFL, and I think that Niners offense with mm-hmm. what Kyle Shanahan likes to do can always make a quarterback look effective enough. He, Shanahan really makes the most out of the league with, with some of this talent. I mean, the Niners right up there with the Broncos. I mean, those are two teams that have just been ravaged by injuries, and Shanahan can still find ways to make his players fantasy relevant, fantasy productive with the creative play calling or, and, and rushing. So, uh, yeah, I wrote Philadelphia down just kind of because they're at the edge of that fifty percent threshold. But yeah, I'm passing on them too. I'm passing on Arizona, probably. They're 43% rostered at Carolina. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're an option. They're, they're on the radar. They're my number two defense, but I want to bring up, if you are looking to to kind of prepare ahead, Cardinals play the Jets in Week 5. Ooh, there you go. So so I actually think the Cardinals are a, a decent enough defense. The Panthers probably will mm-hmm. do okay against them. I'm not necessarily saying you yeah. have to start the Cardinals this week, but they play mm-hmm. the Jets next week, and when I you want have to every look at, single opponent against them. Yeah, when you have to look at uh, – I, I, I didn't write down the week five buys, but if they happen to be one of your defenses, you know – you could make that pick up now for nothing and get away with that. There, there's a couple of leagues that have been able to, you know, yep. you just got to scrounge for points right yep, now, right? Exactly. So and make the plays. And speaking of targeting the Jets, you've got Denver 36%. <laughs> Thursday the Jet, night. Yep, Thursday night football. <laughs> oh, man. I'm it's sure, a doozy. I'm sure the, I can't wait to stay up for I'm that. I'm sure the NFL, like, I've been, I've been rotating free trials, switching back and forth with my brother to get Thursday night football until Amazon has it in October. So I've been flipping around all these different streaming services, but I don't even know if I'm going to bother this week. The, no. the Jets and the Broncos. You know, I, I think like, we're going to have a bonfire at the Latarski household. That's probably what's going to happen. Sounds on like I'm getting an invite. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, the Broncos are my top pickup this week, but not because I really want to. I just think the Jets' offense is so bad. They might be getting Jamison Crowder back. That probably helps things. I get. I mean, like the Broncos are. You just mentioned it. Ravaged by injuries too. So it's not a for sure thing by any means. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how you can look at the Jets' offense right now and say yes, they're going to not give my defense at least ten points from a fantasy perspective. It yes. just seems like a guarantee. Okay, and the last one I'll mention here. I don't want to give away all of Jerry's secret sauce, but he actually now the Rams they're fifty eight percent rostered on Yahoo, so they don't really meet our threshold. But they're only twenty eight percent rostered on ESPN leagues, so they're one that you also should probably think about. They are at home against the Giants this week um you, you know, know that, daniel jones is guaranteed for at least two turnovers yep. a game it, it daniel is, jones is 2020 Jameis. i keep saying that in my head and that'll i mean it hasn't proved quite as useful for darius slayton yet in, in the leagues where i where i roster him but you know I much think like it's the, gonna it's gonna come much like the colts in in the past week and, and they certainly worked out well with the jets here's the reason why i'm picking up the rams even if you didn't want to start them against the giants i'm not sure why you wouldn't they have the washington football team the following week the niners which maybe get back some of their guys in week six mm-hmm. Bears week seven, Dolphins week eight. I, like you could probably talk yourself into starting the Rams in every mm-hmm. one of those spots. Yeah, I have the Rams in our fourteen team staff league, and I'm definitely happy about that and keeping that. Yeah, so I mean th- that's certainly an option. I was looking at that in a few of my deeper leagues. Uh, other one, Seahawks play the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick for as much as I think he's going to pass, and mm-hmm. how the Dolphin or sorry, how the Seahawks 
defense has yeah. kind of struggled, mm-hmm. they still can get turnovers. And, and that's kind of what you're yeah. looking for, sacks as well. Mm-hmm. That's all on the yeah, table. Yeah, we've been a, a little contradictory in saying that Fitzpatrick is a, a streamer. I'd still more likely to stream Fitzpatrick, but you take the Seattle defense in hopes of getting a big play if they're one of the three that are an option. There. I mean, it's not, it's not pick on the Dolphins like it was every week last year. It's pick on the Jets season, <laughs> and it's going yeah. to be for the foreseeable future. But, uh, you know, just maybe some semblance from last year here. Uh, we'll do it. Um, before we wrap up, can I get a couple plugs in? Yeah, go ahead. All right, let's do it. So if you are a Rotowire subscriber or have used our 10-day trial, rotowire.com slash free, you've possibly seen our new My Leagues feature where you can import your league, get uh, custom cheat sheet, custom waiver wire advice, all of those types of things. We've been constantly improving that, listening to user feedback. We've added uh, support for Superflex leagues. We've added support for IDPs there. And also this week we added a... Uh, a trade analysis thing and the best way i don't know i describe it a little bit like almost you have the espn trade simulator type deal this is something kind of like that but for fantasy and for fantasy football it'll definitely come in handy when baseball comes around but uh you can basically look at what kind of ev or value you want for you and your opponent uh, or for you and potential trade candidates type in guys you are willing to trade and then find similar type uh, players that would affect your rest of season projections by percentage it's hard it's a little hard to explain but go check it out you can definitely get some possible trade ideas because fantasy football is so hard to trade in right you know I, i'm one that gets super sick of just getting bs trade offers all the time people you know i don't know if people think for whatever reason they can prey on me i, I very rarely trade in fantasy football because they almost have to be two for twos or three for threes with a ton of negotiating and i don't know early in the season i just kind of like the guys i have otherwise i wouldn't have drafted or, or, or purchased them in the, in the in the first place so fantasy football is tough to trade in this makes it easier it gives you some things at least starting points when you're negotiating with your other teams in addition to the other new roster spots we've added here in the my leagues feature on rotowire so very good stuff helps you with your season long teams uh it's an excellent tool. Definitely check it out. Yeah, and if you don't want to go to the My League's trade tools necessarily, but still want some advice, you can tweet at me, JB Fantasy Sports, or at Jake at Roto Jake. Uh, I know we've been getting a few of those questions just about every week now, and I imagine it's only going to get stronger as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. So certainly feel uh, free to reach us at Twitter again, yep. JB Fantasy Sports at a- Roto Jake. Apologies to the gentleman who I suggested start DJ Moore this week. Well, I <laughs> said start MVS over Alan Lazard. Thankfully, my boy Jordan didn't choose to do that. He went against my advice. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that a lot yes you can even tweet joe just to do the opposite of what he says it works sometimes for sure i've actually done okay in in, in terms of user questions this year but that was one bad gaffe anyway uh that does it for us in the rotoware nfl podcast stay tuned for tomorrow's show jeff's got of course another great guest on and and, uh mario and john in week four getting you set for hopefully a full 16 game slate we don't know what's going to happen with the covid stuff but uh stay tuned to the rotoware nfl podcast for more information thanks for listening If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.